Hey everyone, welcome to today's Cornerstone Connection Daily Devotional. My name is Nate Carter, and today we're in 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, there's a couple of lessons here for us today, so pick the one, or maybe both of them, that apply to you today. Uh, starting right off in verse 1, when one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter? instead of taking it to other believers. So here we have a, a, a lawsuit going on. We have a disagreement going on within the body of Christ. And, uh, and instead of working it out uh, in, uh, among the Christian brothers and sisters, uh, the Corinthian church is taking it out to the secular court uh, that's not respected by the believers and has different value systems uh, and actually is then making it a spectacle to the uh, secular uh, community around them instead of settling it within themselves. Skipping down to verse 7, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? You know, Jesus taught us to turn the other cheek. And instead, we hold on to this value of justice. You know, it's a, it, it's a real American thing to hold on to our rights and to, to want justice, to want what we deserve. And what, that's, that's the way of the secular world around us, to get what you deserve. But what we know from God and from Scripture and from knowing ourselves is that we deserve nothing. That we, the only thing we deserve is death and punishment forever. What we don't deserve is grace, and yet that's what we've been given. So as followers of Christ, we stand for a different bottom line. We don't stand for justice in the secular way of understanding it, but we stand for grace. We stand for mercy. We stand for, as, uh, as a, uh, a continuation of that thought, turning the other cheek, allowing ourselves to be cheated, allowing ourselves to be uh, misused uh, because we, we turn the other cheek and we know that we are recipients of grace. That's a hard lesson. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but for someone like me, I'm an Enneagram One, I've kind of got this black and white right or wrong thing to turn the other cheek and accept what I don't think I deserve uh, is hard, but that's the way of Christ. And then Paul changes gears and talks uh, about uh, another very American issue. Talks about sexual sin. Verse 9 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's a, a combination of, um, of sins in here, but, but a lot of them are sexual sins. And so uh, we're, we're going to highlight those right now. Uh, the, the people of Corinth are saying in verse 13, you say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, they're saying, you know, when I'm hungry, I eat. And in the same way, they're saying, you know, when I've got a sexual urge, I indulge it. It's just the way I'm made. It's just natural. And that's what our culture would say, isn't it? Our culture would say, it's just sex. I, in fact, I watched that just on a, a, a TV show I was watching where the advice that, believe it or not, a mother was giving to her daughter was she was saying, it's just sex. But what does God say about that? What do we know about the sexual union? You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. 
They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Why? Verse, thir- verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute, or I'll just say engage in any kind of sexual immorality? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute or engages in any kind of sexual immorality, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's this mystery about about the sexual union that two are made into one. And the lie of our culture right now is that that sex is just sex. It's just an act. It's just an urge. It's just your, your body craving something like the stomach craves food. But we know that there's something much deeper on a spiritual level that's happening in the sexual union, that the, the two are becoming one flesh. And it's a beautiful thing uh, in the context of marriage. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to realize that, you know, we are part of the body of Christ, that our bodies are joined to him. And it's a shameful thing then to, to, to join the Christ that is part of us into something that is sexually immoral. And so verse 18 tells us what to do about that. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So our lesson here today, uh, both lessons about justice and about sexuality, is to run from the lies that culture tells us are true, because they're lies, but to run from them, to go the other way and embrace the truth that we know uh, from the Bible. Uh, If you're feeling ashamed of that today, remember what we said earlier. It's about grace. It's about mercy. We get what we don't deserve. Uh, uh, Elsewhere in in this chapter, it says, you have been cleansed. So take a deep breath. Know that you're healed. Know that you are forgiven. But if if you still find yourself uh, going after those things that are not of the Lord, uh, verse 18 would say, run, flee, get away from it, uh, and embrace what is true and what is good and what is of Christ. With that, we'll leave you for today. We'll see you next time on the Cornerstone Connection.